On this podcast, we analyze some pretty impressive people. Some of them seem almost superhuman. But what makes it so neat is that we break it down and find out that they're actually just a human like you and me. Sick. I'm comparing your passion for climbing for my passion of running this podcast. Do you, do you ever get sick? Some of these comparisons work. They work really well. But others might get a little pushback. I could just take all the things you're saying and choose a completely random No, screen. no, no. Netball. I don't think so. Netball. Maybe there's a, there's a um, flaw in your, in your assumption here <laughs> there that climbing, climbing requires well, declaration. Hear me out. You be the judge. This is Mountain Meister. Mountain Meister is sponsored by Buff. Now, you might be wondering, Ben, what besides your body is Buff? That's a great question. Buff is quite possibly the most versatile piece of headwear that has ever existed. This silky, smooth, seamless tube can be used as a neck gaiter, a hat, a headband, a sun guard, a foulard, a face mask, and more. For 15% off of your purchase, go to buffusa.com and use the code MEISTER at checkout. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. On the other end of the line is Hazel Finlay. Hi, Hazel. Hi. For those of you who don't know her, She's a pro rock climber, started at the ripe age of seven years old, uh, six-time British junior champion in the doors, and at age 16, she started shifting her focus to the out-of-doors. But first, we're going to talk about how you got your name, Hazel. We've had some people with interesting names on the show. How did you get the name Hazel? Um, do you know the actor Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes. Mm-hmm. So my parents went to what listen to him talk at some event or something, mm-hmm. and he read out a poem about hazel tree, and they were trying to work out what name to give. I think they were actually trying to work out what name to give my brother, but then obviously he was a boy, so he couldn't be hazel, but then I ended up being hazel. I didn't know if it had to do with your eyes, but I looked at, I looked at your eyes in a picture, and they looked green. And then that got me looking to see if they used to be Hazel. I thought maybe they named you Hazel off of your eyes when you were born, and then they changed colors, which is actually possible. Uh, 10%, of, at least what I saw, 10% of Caucasians' uh, eyes change color at some point in their life. Oh, that's an interesting fact. I, lots of I do things. actually feel like my eyes change color quite a lot, but I don't know if that's just me making it up. But <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, just because you know how you have all the like little flecks in there, like sometimes they like I see it in other people as well. Like sometimes it's more green, sometimes mm-hmm. more brown or blue or something. So, mine have always been a deep, deep shade of dark red. brown. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> red. <laughs> That's why I'm in uh, an audio podcast because my eyes yeah. are red. <laughs> anyway, lots of things you can find on the internet. So let's talk about how you got into climbing. Uh, I read that you learned on a door frame in your house. You said that there's a lot more to this story. Yeah, so I got into climbing because my dad is a climber. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he introduced me to the sport when I was like six or seven. And um, mostly outside 
um, on the sea cliffs in South Wales. Mm. And, um, you know, if we weren't climbing, we were, we were going on adventures. So, yeah, I was definitely sort of um, thrown into an outdoors life. Yeah. So how long have you been climbing full time? This is your career. Yeah, so I've been a professional climber for like maybe, I think it's four years now. Okay. Yeah. And right after yeah. college? Yeah, so I was I was super lucky because... I just finished university and went straight into being a full-time climber. So I never had that phase of like, ah, what should I do with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, really? Nice. You never had that? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. It's been great. That's Yeah, you're lucky in that regard. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so how you started climbing at a really young age. That seems to be the case with a lot of climbers. How much of climbing do you think is due to the amount, the amount of time that you invest and how much work you put in versus natural talent? It's a tricky question because uh, the idea of talent itself is kind of a tricky subject mm-hmm. because is talent just um, doing something from when you're a young age, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, if you learn a language from a young age, you become fluent, like, much more easy, mm-hmm. easily than um, if you learn it later so I don't know it's hard to say I feel like I feel like you could start from a young age though and you need I think what you need is that like little bit of passion or a little bit of extra drive um which is important if you if you come to climbing early or if you come to climbing late and I think that's kind of the most important thing really because you can't really do anything with talent or with experience or natural ability or, or any of those sort of like um, given gifts unless you have that like little bit of drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, pa- the passions, I guess, what keeps you going. Mm-hmm, yeah. Are, are you scared as a professional climber that you ever might lose this passion? Because that seems pretty key. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone through phases where I have lost that passion for mm. sure. Um, but it's just climbing is just such a huge part of me as a person and it's a part of my identity. And I'm just, I just know I'll be a climber forever. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I have, being a climber doesn't mean going climbing every day. You know, there might be phases in my life where I just decide that actually I need a bit of a rest from climbing I'm just not that psyched to go out to the crag every day it doesn't mean that I'm not a climber it just means that and it doesn't even mean that the passion is waned a bit it just means that y- you need to have like a little rest from the things that you love sometimes I think yeah agreed I mm-hmm. love to podcast but right now I'm taking a break from the podcast it's so refreshing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, it gives your head time to give your body and your mind a bit of a break yeah and a bit of like time to reflect and all the rest of it. Yeah, agreed. Good point. Um, do you ever do you ever get sick? I'm comparing your passion for climbing for my passion of running this podcast. Do you, do you ever get sick of the climbing community? Because honestly, like I'm in a podcasting forum uh, where you know we share advice and such, and some of these people in this are. I don't know. I just get really sick of the community sometimes. Do you, uh, and this is a, kind of a tough question for you to answer because there are climbers listening to this. Yeah. Do you ever get sick of the climbing world? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I get sick of it, no. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I do feel often that I need to surround myself with other people other than climbers sometimes, or at least with climbers who are interested in other things. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some climbing friends and all they can talk about is climbing. Whereas I have other climbing friends and they'll talk about everything under the sun. And I do often value their friendship more at times than other people, you know, other climbers who can just, just talk about climbing. Because I feel like I'm so saturated. You know, if, if climbing's your passion and it's your career and it's the thing that you do all year round and all your friends are climbers, it's just you become saturated in this mm-hmm. in this whole world. And um, it's just nice to talk about something else occasionally, I yeah. find. So recently you have this shoulder injury and you just got surgery on your labrum, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oddly enough, I tore my posterior labrum once upon a time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you have the surgery as well? I or didn't not? have to get surgery for it. Mm-hmm. And okay. also, my career wasn't really affected by it at all. Um, how do you feel about this so far, uh, emotionally, I guess? Um, you know, it's kind of like the rest of life, you know, it just... It, it just sort of changes day to day. So like last week I had a day where I felt really down and like I just felt like there was just so there was so much time stretching in front of me without climbing and without you know, cause like it's not that I can't that I'm just not able to climb. I can't go running, I can't drive, mm. I can't do like tons of the sports. So um you know, I can't do yoga. And so, like, there's just this time stretching out in front of me. Um, this is, like, all empty. It seems like it's empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt pretty down the other day. But then, like, today and yesterday, I've just done so much cool stuff with my time. And and also, it's just one of these things where it's, like, I just don't really have a choice in the matter. Like, it is what it is. I just have to deal with it. And it's just a matter of time and recovery. And every single day, my shoulder's getting better. So... You know, there is constant progression, there's constant moving forward. Whereas the last year, I've just been in this like stage where I don't really know what's going on with my shoulder. I can sort of climb, but mm. I sort of can't climb. And that's almost a lot harder to deal with mentally because you feel like you take a step forward and then you're taking three backwards. Right. And that's something at that stage where you might have control over the outcome, right? Because you have the choice to get the surgery. After you get the surgery, then it's, okay, play the cards you're dealt. I've got to rest this thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Interesting. So in those emotionally low times, even though you know that you have to play the cards you're dealt, you still feel frustrated. How do you get out of that? Yeah, it's a hard one. You know, that's that's like one of the great challenges of life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, feeling stuff like that. And you, you can rationalize it, like... You, you have a bad day and you say you could say to yourself hazel you don't have a choice mm-hmm. it's going to get better every day you know you can tell yourself all of those positive things but whether that actually changes how you feel inside is like a different question isn't it so i don't know on some days i just like I'm like uh i'm just going to be on my own today and just do stuff that i want to do mm-hmm. and then some other days i feel like actually I think I want to be distracted today. So, like, I'll call up some friends. And, you know, usually if you're just hanging out with friends, then they'll distract you enough to for you not to worry so much, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then it's just like anything. That, that feeling doesn't last forever. You know, you wake up the next day and it's a new day. And 
um, it's quite likely that you won't feel the same way again. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? 12 yeah. hours later, you feel completely different. Yeah. Huh. So. Interesting. Um, yeah. I'm trying to compare, again, this whole podcast climbing analogy. It would almost be like me losing my voice for six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I yeah, you just wouldn't be able to do it. Right. But you can, what you can do is you could like, um, you could sit at home and you could like research. Like you couldn't ring people up and ask people anything, but you could like do loads of research. You could like put loads of ideas down. And it's not the same as doing the podcast, but you're still like doing something. Right. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So, okay, let's keep this going. I bring sponsors on the show. And I communicate their messages. Essentially, that's how I make money. Mm-hmm. You get paid to climb, except you can't climb. Uh, from a career perspective, uh, how do you expect to, people to keep paying you? <laughs> um, be- because I do. Because if they drop me, it'd be really shitty. <laughs> um, you know, any sport. You, like you, if you're a mountain biker, it's quite likely that you'll like break your leg like three times in your career, or like your collarbone like ten times or something. You know, like sports, people get injured. There's no there's no sport in the world where people don't get injured, and that has to be understood and respected by the brands that sponsor mm-hmm. the athletes. Um, so you know, there's there's no way that BD would um, say to me you know, you're dropped because of your shoulder shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. You know, they're psyched to tell the story and they're interested in it and they're psyched for me to get better and and you know that you know they're they're bummed for me that I can't climb. But they're, but they're also completely understanding and, and they they would never drop me um for for this kind of thing. It'd probably be terrible PR to drop you and also there's probably just a lot of people that can relate to what you're going through right now. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, like Anything that I post about my shoulder usually gets way more um, traffic and mm-hmm. attention um, because people can relate to it. They're like, yeah, like I had that operation or I just broke my leg and it's shit, isn't it? And they just and they like to to hear that that there is that other people are faced with those challenges as well. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of like dealing with the same stuff. It almost humanizes you, right? Like you you are this superhero that people see climbing this stuff that they can't relate to, honestly, or I know I can't relate to it. But then they see that you you have this injury and that's something that they can relate to. Almost like when you hear somebody talk on the podcast, you actually sound like a real person rather than seeing these crazy climbing videos. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. Anyway, I just thought that this was a really interesting time to talk to you about this. Uh, Psychologists call this like the experiencing self versus the remembering self. Uh, And right now you're in the experience where we might have a completely different conversation about this particular topic one year from now when we talk to your remembering self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Speaking of the mind – a few days ago, I saw that you may be thinking of starting a mental training coaching business. Can you tell me about this? Yeah, so it, the mental side of climbing is something that's always, um, I suppose it's what keeps me really passionate about the sport. And it's one of the things that I love so much about climbing is that sort of the mental challenge challenges that, that climbing brings. And so I've always been interested in it and I've always felt like I definitely don't think I'm like super great at that kind of thing. But 
I do always analyze myself with that regard. And I, I often think that although I, I still have mental weaknesses, that, that compared to other people, perhaps my, my mental weakness compared to my physical weakness isn't so great. Mm. Um, and that actually often I'll use my mental strength to sort of make up for like a lack of physical right. strength, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, so, you know, like a lot of people are very scared of falling outside and um, it really holds them back. And it's really interesting because, you know, you go out you go out climbing with people and, you know, 80% of climbers are really held, by, held back by their um, lack of mental strength, I suppose, mm-hmm. or... or what we'd call like self-limiting thought processes. And it's interesting because, you know, there's so much information on the web about how to train your finger strength, how to get um, fitter, how to diet, you know, all of this stuff. But there's hardly any resources apart from Arno Illner's books about mental training for climbing. And there's hardly any specific coaching for that either. So I, I just thought that... You know, it's something I want to explore for my own climbing, but then I, I also want to explore it for others. So actually four years ago, I did my first mental training um, coaching, and that was just one-to-one stuff with my friends mostly mm. um, to just try it out and, and sort of experiment with them a little bit. And I found it really interesting and really rewarding. Um, because one of the things about being a professional climber is like it, it feels a little bit like this sort of uh, selfish life in some ways. Mm. Like you're just going about climbing for yourself. Um, sponsors give you money. You know, it, it almost feels like you're not really giving anything back. So doing this coaching, it's like it would be a business for me. I'd hope to make some money out of it, at least you know, to cover all of the energy I'm putting in. Mm-hmm. But it's also some a way for me to find a bit more meaning in my life other than this just like selfish like drive to climb harder routes yeah no i we've heard this uh selfish argument from uh, some other professional athletes we've had on the show it's interesting it's a it sounds like a unique stress um and on one hand i i agree with you and then on the other hand if we look at it from like an economist perspective, like whatever the market's willing to pay you, right? So if these brands are willing to pay you, obviously you provide value in some capacity. Um, yeah, but it's not it's not the kind of value. Right. You know, if I wasn't a climber, I would like be a teacher or you know something. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't work for a, a business just to earn that, just to like be like another cog, mm-hmm. like putting money back into that business. Unless it was a business I really cared about. Yeah, and you know I really like the brands that I work for I think they're great like BD especially I think is an awesome brand it's really cool with this mental stuff because it it does kind of transcend climbing a little bit as well you know like a lot of the times you'll like work with someone and and it's it's because they have this real confidence issue or they have some strange ideas about um, themselves or, or they're struggling to like detach themselves from from the negative thoughts that they might have and like if you can work with people and try and overcome some of that stuff then that's actually you know that that goes across into all areas of their life not just climbing yeah so it's kind of cool little project that's really neat yeah yeah you you don't play golf by any chance or have you ever played (laughs) golf 
I've never played golf. Okay, no. I've, I haven't really talked about it on the show, but I've asked a lot of climbers this, and I don't think I've met one person, one climber that has told me they play golf. And hearing you talk about this, there are a lot of parallels. I don't know. Do you know any climbers that play golf? I don't, but you know what? I just read a book because I'm doing like tons of reading uh-huh. at the moment, and I just read a book called. Um, it's, it's something like the Zen, the Zen and yeah. the Art playing golf. Yeah, you read yeah. It? No, I haven't read it, but that's a, a well-known golf book about the uh, the mental game. Yeah, and so like I read it because you know there's interesting stuff about there about about the mind and about um, achieving your full potential within sport mm-hmm. and um, about letting go of negative thoughts and separating the ego and you know all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but I mean, it's, it's it's not like the similarities between golf and climbing. It's like the similarities between anything, any kind of art or sport or activity or discipline in which you want to do well at. And like finding the thought processes that allow you to 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 be your best, I suppose, is is the idea. Not just for the sake of achieving something, but just for your own personal fulfillment and enjoyment as well. Right. Yeah. Well, so we'll put that book on your page on our website. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to make this golf argument, though. I think there are a lot of similarities between, <laughs> between golf and climbing. Uh, but honestly, like you just laughed. And every other climber that I've asked if they play golf, they'll laugh in my face. And if I ask a golfer if they climb they'll laugh in my face too. But think about it. Like I, both, both sports require a ton of patience to get good at them, right? I'm uh, the most impatient person in the world. How are you a good climber then? Maybe there's a, there's a um, flaw in your, in your assumption here <laughs> that climbing, climbing well, requires hear me out. of patience. Hear me out. You, you can do both sports for a lot of your life. They're both life sports. Both of them are very social sports. You do them with your friends a lot of the times. Um, both revolve a lot around decision-making, right? I could just take all the things you're saying and choose a completely random No, sport. no, no. Netball. I don't think so. Netball. What? Basketball. Basketball. You can't, well, you can kind of play basketball for life, but basketball doesn't require this decision. Like Any decision-making that you make in basketball is at like snap of a finger, whereas in golf and climbing, both are very thoughtful approaches right yeah Yeah. but there's really there's a lot of snap decisions that happen in climbing as well that's okay yeah good point well you're the climber here so there's like slow decision making and there's also like automatic decision making that happens just as you climb all right if well if there are any listeners out there that see the parallel between golf and climbing if you climb and you play golf and you think there are parallels let me know and if you completely disagree then let me know too why (laughs) I guess like the bloody hands, you don't see that in golf. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you kept on taking the same shot again and again and again, I don't know. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Good deal. Let's go to your gear recommendation. Uh, we like to get one from everybody that joins us on the show. What what kind of gear would you recommend to our listeners? So I use like I use like hand cream. I use this hand cream called Yes Nurse Hand Cream. It's a company based out of the UK and. Um, I use that to like regrow my skin. It like it like adds nutrition to my skin, I feel. What is it called? But it's called Yes Nurse. It's designed for nurses. Ah. So like you know how their skin gets all like dry and horrible because they're like constantly washing their hands. Mm, right. 
it it's um it, it's to like restore their skin. So uh, I use that, but then I don't want my skin to be all sweaty for climbing. So I then what I do is I use this thing called antihydral, and I think it was first designed or maybe not first designed, but a lot of you know professional foosball players. Do you guys know what foo- foosball is? Foosball, like the the table game. Table table football, yeah. <laughs> so you know how like the handles are like plastic. Uh-huh. So they don't want to get really sweaty hands because it will like slip. So they use th- this stuff called antihydral. So I use it on my um, fingertips because, you know, I don't want my skin to get sweaty because if it's a bit wet, obviously you're likely to slip more off the rock. But also it's more likely to tear if it's a bit moist. Mm. So, um, yeah, I dry-, I dry my skin out with that as well. Very good. I like those. For the listeners... Check out those on Hazel's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. Uh, to wrap things up, Hazel, we like to hear who you'd like to hear as the next person on the show. So you're today's Meister. Who do you want to hear in a future conversation? So because I'm sort of doing all of this um, research into uh, mental training and, and that kind of thing I'd like to hear you talk to Arno Ilner who is the uh, author of Rock Warrior's Way and Espresso Lessons <laughs> and um, you know he's a climber himself but he's got loads of interesting things to say about um, the mental aspect of climbing and and I, I think that would tr- transcend across you know everything rather than just be specific to climbing so I think you should have him on the show for the listeners, keep an ear out for Arno Ilna on a future episode of Mountain Meister. Hazel, wonderful having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. For the listeners, again, highlights of today's episode on our website, mtnmeister.com. Hazel's also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Thanks, Hazel. Yeah, thanks a lot. Bye. Hazel Finlay, pro rock climber, just an all-around cool gal. Hope you enjoyed that one. Thanks to Hazel for joining. Don't forget, Meister fans, that you can get 15% off of your purchase with the code MEISTER at buffusa.com. Buff makes silky smooth, seamless tubes. Wear them however you want on your head. Thanks to Buff for sponsoring this episode. And we are also supported by you, our listeners. Go to our support page on our website, mtnmeister.com. You can check out all the great prizes that you can win for helping us out. You also get great content, extra content, in return for your donations. It's a win-win, in my opinion. As always, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do while you listen to this podcast. I'm the host, Ben Shank. Thanks for listening to Mountain Meister. <laughs>